0: hello fringers the following podcast may not be suitable for all ages listener discretion is advised look alive sunshine it's 2099 under a golden crimson sky a group of punks run the streets just trying to stay alive boardwalks to boardrooms, back alleys and big bars trust your instincts no one's who they say they are Information's easy come and easy go. You Best stay on your toes. Big Brother is watching. It's time to put on a show. Hello everyone and welcome back to Angel City Stories. Uh, my name is Sean, aka Mallow. I am the GM for this podcast. Uh, and joining me today is uh, my co-creator and co-conspirator in this whole thing, uh, Alex. Alex. Uh, and we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to be talking lore today. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Um, I mean, go for it, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. This is a great, this is a great entitled episode very, so far. We're very good at this. Very professional. We've done this many times, I think. And by that, he means very few. I mean, you've been on a, a former podcast of mine for a little bit.
1: Yeah. I and did a few about, episodes. Yeah. Mostly Uh, when you you jumped into areas where you were like, Alex knows a lot about this.
0: (laughs) Looking at Lucasfilm properties. Yeah. Uh, So lore. We're going to talk about the lore of Identico today uh, and try to give everybody a little bit of a, a preview into what we created and why and how. Maybe a little bit of all of that. Yes. Yeah just just so everybody because we don't really set anything up before we do the three episodes Uh, before we start getting going on any of those episodes we haven't really like set it up we just sort of like assumed that people understood like what identico was and what the world was and the setting of angel city which is kind of where we started out the whole thing
1: and now i feel the need to like grab one of our books i'm looking around the studio right now for a copy of our book because i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you the secret and we've it's not so much a secret anymore but it's, we don't remember what we wrote down. Sometimes. I even said
0: it yesterday. Uh, I was doing a a, a, a live stream, uh, pitch of Identico, and uh, somebody asked me about the the reading the book or whatever. I was like, read enough of the book to where you don't have to stop me every five minutes to ask like, what do I do? Like, and understand that like you roll a d twenty. Like, hey, maybe we should talk about that. Like the mechanics of it a little bit too. It's like you roll a d twenty, um, <laughs> you know um but like don't memorize the book cuz the writers of this haven't memorized the book yeah, we we just, memorized there's the no book. possible way it's like 260 something pages well
1: that you know we wrote it over the course of 5 years and so it took yeah so long and it was retooled and redone and like i still have screenshots of text messages where we were workshopping what different governments look like yes right and they're they're all saved in like
0: nice little like trello cards and word docs that we're gonna come back to at another yeah. time.
1: But seriously, we would workshop this over text message, like while like we had little little kids, and so hard to talk on the phone. Yep. But then we would just screenshot it from our cell phones later, so we wouldn't forget what we had actually already decided upon. Because if we didn't, we might forget later.
0: Yes. Well, and and so much of it is like, as I was trying to tell somebody the other day, it's like I've got I can pretty much plop down and run a game for anybody at any time anywhere with a with a hook. Yes um, When we start to get into like a little bit of the more Like granular rules of the thing I'm either gonna A flub it Because I'm, I'm definitely not the, the, the rules as written GM mm-hmm. I'm definitely much more the rule of cool Out of the two of us I think um, Or two I'm gonna just come up with The thing on the fly and hope I remember What the house rule
1: was that I wrote at the time So it'll probably be close enough So with all the con games we've ran Right. And how many times we ran playtests at cons, the the thing that I finally came to probably after about six to nine months of it was just that I didn't really care what the rules were. Okay. Especially for a con game, right? Unless right. there was something specific I was trying to pull from it. Uh-huh. I
0: would just make it up. Yeah. For for a one shot kind of like We don't know if you're going to buy the book or not. We don't know if you're
1: going to buy the book or not. And here's the thing. Even if you do, here's a little secret. We know you're not going to remember every little detail of that con game. Correct. And so it doesn't matter. Although, I guess we should say... But if you have fun, that's the thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think we should say, after a while, we started getting people bringing their character sheets back from the con games, being like, hey, I just want to pick up and run with this character. And we go, uh, 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 and that was probably two or three beta tests ago.
1: Yes. And so we we had actually a friend of ours, uh, an old friend of mine from high school who... Um, we linked up with at a con that we did every year. We would do Norwest Con every year, and this was, of course, pre-Rona. Um, and my buddy Josh was always at Norwest Con, and he played Identica the first year we ran it there. Yes, he did. And he brought the same character back for either two or three more successive conventions. Yeah, the exact same player character. Yeah,
0: but but leveled up every time. Like yes. he was going. Like he'd spend a significant amount of time. Like with the beta rules, he would be like he he would come in at the beginning of the convention, read what updated beta rules we had with us, work on his character, and then by the time he was ready to play that Saturday and Sunday, he had his character rolled out, ready to go.
1: Yeah, fully leveled from whatever he had done. The prayer exactly being
0: asked, like asking like what the what the reputation was gonna be, like what the score was, the money, like everything. Like he was ready to fly. I
1: think besides Sean and I, Josh played the absolute most. Yeah. Of anybody in Identico. And I think he's the only person besides you and I running the games that played every single test mission that we wrote. Yes. Yeah. At
0: least once. At least one, including some of the ones that we didn't even that we basically like the test mission, like a couple of the test missions that will eventually we'll, we'll flush out and put out there. But like one of the test missions was simply there's a border crossing in 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 Ireland.
1: That was the whole premise of yeah. the one you told me we were running. Well, so, so let me explain, let me, let me explain a little bit of that. And I'm sure Sean will edit this all to make it all make, be more. No, this know, is going to be like, just we're, this is us, man. So, this is how we buy. So this is how this would work before conventions. What we would do is we would know a convention is coming up and we would start jotting down notes of different stuff and, and things that we wanted to test or things we wanted to run. And then what would happen is about two weeks before the convention, I would sit down with Google Earth, <laughs> right, and Vizio, yeah, and I would just start making maps. Yep. Because as long as I have a map in front of me or in front of the player characters, I can at least be like, "You're right there," and put yep. my finger on a spot on the map, and they would be like, "Okay, we're right there." Yeah. I want to take a left at the next intersection. Great. You know. Yeah. Like that's the easiest way. So that's actually also my like GM prep tip yeah. for everybody in when you're running a modern or a cyberpunk game, maps are your friend. Yeah. Right, if you have maps, you've got everything because you can make everything else up right. on the fly. The hardest thing to make up on the fly is how does a a city layout? Right, what does it look like? Yeah, you don't you don't From need a to have perspective.
0: A, well, and you don't need to have like a uh, a battle map of a forest. Oh no or no, something no no like no that. no 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 no. Yeah, like that's a, like like characters can kind of be like characters can kind of be like. uh they're kind of like oh well it's a building and it's like okay well how many stories is building you go well it's five stories and it's like that's all you have to remember yeah it's on five stories you're on the ground whatever you need is up top and you can just kind of go for it and it's like you know there's
1: gonna be some stairs there's probably an elevator and that's where note cards are your friend yeah because as you're making it up you're just jotting down little notes on a Uh note card so that you're being a little consistent yeah you know but that's the key right there is just again maps maps is the the only thing so we would literally have like concepts written down on note cards and maps that we would have laminated so we could use them over and over again
0: because we were poor making this game
1: we were and (laughs) well and the other thing was like when you're running like we would do pax west right yeah and for three days we would run six to twelve games a day yeah total and that's just constant. And so yeah. we, we did do not it-
0: get food. we we thankfully had some fairies to bring us food and water. Yes. Otherwise we probably would have passed out. We would have died. <laughs>
1: um anyway, uh so yeah, that's and so the lamination piece was a, like a like a 6 or 7 dollar investment we would make on every little like you know, 11 by 17 map just so we could keep using it because if we just we discovered a thing after our first or second con, well we brought paper. Yeah. We had paper character sheets and paper everything and they got Fucking destroyed. Yep. Or, and this isn't a bad thing, people would want to take them. Yeah. And they'd be like, Can I keep my character sheet? am like, Yeah, you can. You know, quick run like, to Kinko's. <laughs> yeah, run, run to Kinko's <laughs> around the make, corner. <laughs> make 10 more copies of the Gutter punk you yep. know, because we ran out. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so we learned paper alone was just bad. And so even actually our pre-gens, we eventually ended up laminating all the pre-gens for cons. Yeah. So that people could use little, uh, what do they call, whiteboard markers. Mm-hmm. And we could just erase them after every session. and We were ready to go back, ready to go in like two minutes. And so We did we did
0: actually still carry paper, though, because there were those people that would come and play. Yeah. but want to w- take it with them. Those
1: were almost special requests at that point. though.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, I think it was good to kind of have those kind of things going, right? Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, is that those those paper character sheets and the ones that we brought with us are actually the ones that are still in the book. You know, somebody was asking me yesterday. Yes. They were like, you know, because they were, they were talking about a session zero. And he was telling me about this time where he brought like, his whole family and he was playing a, uh, a medieval style game that we won't give a shout out to. Um, but they're also based here in Seattle. And they went through the entire book, and the book is like 400. The core rule book is like 400 pages. So of course he didn't read the thing. Okay,
1: uh, yeah, you know like which what which I'm talking one? about now. What yeah, yeah. are we talking about now? Okay, yeah. got it.
0: You know what I'm talking about. So it's huge. He didn't read the whole thing, but he got enough through like everybody making their characters. But that took him like you know two or three hours to make a character and pick all these things and stuff. And it's like, no, at the front of the rule book, like we want you just to be, like pick a character and get ready to roll. Like you don't have to have a ton of things to get started in the game. And uh, you know that. That was the whole con culture. That was just like, uh, you know, every convention for us is like a performance half the time.
1: Well, and, and part of the, the big piece of the testing was we had these cheat sheets for the rules, which we, we need to publish at some point. Yep. Um, we had a cheat sheet for the rules that we made that we would hand out to every one of the, the, the players who'd never played Identico, never touched anymore. And our challenge was, can we teach you this role playing game well enough for you to play it within five minutes? Yeah. Because we were usually, especially at the bigger cons like PAX, we had two hour time blocks and that was it. Yeah. And anybody who's tried to be like, hey, here's a role playing game you've never played before. Mm -hmm. Let me teach it to you and run an entire complete mission in two hours. You know, that really gets dicey really, really fast. And so that was we we had to learn to to teach the game from the character sheet, from the cheat sheet very quickly well enough for somebody to go got it i can play this now
0: you know and it's it's interesting too because like we we, we get asked all the time they're like well what's 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 different about your game than say you know Shadowrun run or cyberpunk red or whatever and it's like it was built from the ability of very quickly playtesting. it was built from the you know everybody only has an, so much time on their li- in their life and we're going to bring it together and go for it you know
1: and it was, can we teach you this game yeah. super, super fast? And we were doing a QA and a the other day and somebody said, you know, what's the thing you guys regret most about it? Or what's the thing you, you like least about Identico? Mm-hmm. And the thing that we said was we really hated the fact that as we went through development, the game actually was was a little bit more crunchy than it is now in its, current, in its published state. And there was some mechanics that we had in the game that we both really loved, yep. right? And that actually survived for a long time. Like uh, our skill tree system, which took us like a year and a half to design, Yeah. right? It survived like three, three and a half years into the development process before we finally said, we before yeah. we pulled it out. And so there's some stuff that we pulled out of the game because of that crunch, because of the fact that we wanted you to be able to learn it fast, because we needed people to to, to to kind of buy in that way because we didn't want to be Shadow Run, we didn't right. want to be the other ones um, that that we pulled out. That I actually still really miss. Yeah.
0: Well, we can always do advanced stuff.
1: We can't. It to. actually
0: won't break the game, ironically enough, to do it that way. Not yet. Not yet. We'll break the game eventually. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the 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 sort of lore in the background of the game. So when we open up in Identico, it's the year twenty ninety nine. Um, we have kind of remade America in 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 a lot of ways the world. Uh, as you like to as you like to say capitalism won, yep, so to speak. So capitalism sort of rules just about everything that goes on in society in some capacity uh, and it's got it goes through something called the chip, which is the Centralized Centralized human, human identity program. yep, there we go. Uh, it's sort of your digital passport where it keeps literally everything and it keeps all this metadata about you, uh, including all your transactions, where you've been, you know, you know, missing persons kinds of things and stuff like that are, are almost a thing of the future or all the thing of the past. Uh, but it's not, it's not quite minority report yet. Cause they're not using it predictive
1: analytics. So in some not, ways, maybe but not, not openly. Right. Yeah. So, so maybe we should start at the beginning of the beginning. Okay. So one of the things that we've discovered is, is unfortunately seriously, unfortunately, we were a little prescient about this kind of the way that we get, you know, the way that we wrote this is, is how do you get right to 2099? And so the first thing you have to understand is that going from the present day in real life, basically everything continues to get worse. (laughs) (laughs) Like some ways, everybody's like 2020 is horrible. Okay. And we're like, yeah, 2020 is bad. Wait till you get to 2031. Okay. It's going to be even worse. And so and and that's the way that that capitalism does win, right? Right. Is that in the end, in their in their grab for power, the they are the only ones left who are like, if we just put them under our control, and everything's in the crapper right now, so yeah. we're just going to give them that minimum, that little bit that they need, that they want, yeah, to keep the the populace mollified, and we're just going to take over everything, right. Yeah, no we we've we've often said a lot of
0: times of like, if you're looking at the hierarchy of needs, right? Like the corporations will figure out how to keep you fed, keep you secure, keep you entertained, uh, and everything else that you would kind of do. They can they can provide for you. I mean, they're already trying to provide for that now, um, and so when you start to get into those kinds of things, it's it 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 only takes a couple of steps further to kind of figure out how uh, they finish sort of taking over right not in a way that like um not in a way that kind of like works against us or whatever you know like in such a way that like people just kind of like welcome tiktok in their life and it's like oh yeah by the way uh they're all just kind of secretly giving all your information to a government entity across over the seas or whatever like that supposedly allegedly allegedly um but you know people are more than happy to give that to you and and make raps about carol baskins and shit like that like yes.
1: well and, and you can apply the same thing again tiktok facebook twitter every yep. cookie you do every website you visit you know i mean how many times have i heard somebody be like i was talking to my friend and i had my cell phone in my pocket and then i went to google and then all of a sudden there were ads for the thing that i was just talking about with my friend right you know that stuff that kind of predictive analytics basically goes into into overdrive yep and and you're trading on your identity and data and that that data about who you are and what you're going to do next is the most valuable commodity on the planet. Yep. Because if you, if you know what's going to happen before it happens, it's like the ultimate insider trading. Yeah. You can, you can buy the stock, you can move the commodities, you can do whatever you want. If you already know how the, how the stuff's going to move.
0: So let's kind of, so all of that is sort of the layer of like, how do we get, to 2099 where all of this kind of metadata and your identity and things like that become even sort of like we've taken the preciousness of the of current and like blown it up to like a hundred times the kind of what it is. But like the way that the world has been reshaped by that though, is that like now corporations run very large portions of the world. I'm not going to say every government because we definitely have written in certain governments still. And, but they, the governments even act like corporations at that point, But they certainly do that in America, which is where we kind of find the podcast and and the team at uh, in 2099, right? The government has, uh, through basically a terrorist attack, kind of fallen apart, and the corporations were there to kind of pick up the pieces, and so of course everybody kind of showed loyalty to the corpse at that point,
1: right? So basically, kind of, kind of, you know, content warning to kind of you know what's going on right now. Take all of the the aid that's needed for coronavirus, for everything else that's going on right now, and magnify that need by 10. Yeah. And then what you turn around and do is the the government is even more hapless than they are right now. So just to give you an idea, we're recording this on August 9th of if 2020. If you believe that. Okay. Uh, and so if you've been following the news lately, you know how hapless our government is. So- Basically, what ends up happening is these corporations go, we give up. We're not dealing with you anymore, federal yeah. government. And that also means that they're not listening to them anymore. So as this massive internal refugee crisis is happening, as people are fleeing the center of the country because it's literally just been nuked. Yeah. Right. And not only does our government not know who did it. Right. So they don't know who to retaliate against. They don't know who to attack. They don't know who to fight. And everybody else on the planet is going "One us, One us. You know, they're also fumbling the part where they have to help their citizenry. Right. And what the corporations have that they don't is logistics networks. Mm -hmm. They've got data. They've got warehouses. They've got jobs. They've got places for people to stay. And so they literally go, we're going to spend the trillion dollars split out amongst all these corporations to take these people and now government, you don't get to say anything anymore. Right. They're our people. Now we own them. Yeah. Literally
0: have no power to fight back on all of that.
1: Right. And so when that happens, the, the, the federal government in America essentially just acquiesces. They go fine. We're going to, we give up. We're done. Right. So they sell off all the major utilities. They sell off all critical government functions. Essentially. To the corporations. They go, and the corporations basically just divide them up amongst each other Mm -hmm. and say, all right, you're going to do this, I'm going to do this, and we're all going to just do whatever the hell we want. Right. And what ends up happening is what we term in the book is the reorganization. Mm -hmm. And so essentially everything becomes a series of city-states. There are now 25 city-states that exist within what used to be the United States, right? The states as they were no longer exist. Yep. And each city state has its council, which is made up of the largest corporations in that city, in that Metroplex. Mm-hmm. Right. And they appoint two senators to go to the central government because corporations can't exist unless it's in relation to some sort of entity to say you're a company or not. So they had to, they still need someone to adjudicate and to be in contrast of, or it's anarchy and that doesn't really work. <laughs> so sorry, libertarians. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. <laughs> OK. Um, anyway. Um, so they are still controlling that central government in spite of the fact that, that central government is pseudo independent pseudo. I pseudo.
0: mean, you could you can imagine the only people that are going to lose in that government are the little people who aren't corporations. Right. Like they're going to find ways to continue to entrench their their like agendas and things like that in, uh, in the sort of common person that is not going to be represented there at all.
1: And, and what the corporations know after this point and where they try and get to is this, the, the common metric that's used for revolutions is this, you need two to 4% of the population in the streets, two mm-hmm. to 4%. That's the magic number because that tells you that roughly 40 to 60% of the population is sympathetic to your cause and will help you hide you feed you arm, you do all that other stuff. What the corporation's entire modus operandi is to keep that magic number under that 4%. Right. Right. So they're going to provide as much of the population with jobs, food, housing, entertainment, clothing, all the things that they need. So they're going to pay you to work for the corporation. And then you're going to go shop at a corporate owned store. Mm -hmm. That's going to turn around and take that money back from you. And it just turns into this one big cycle. But most of the population is fine with it because, again, they're fed, housed, clothed, and are entertained. And it might not be the same corporate owned store.
0: So it's like if you work for a tech firm like an Amazon or a Walmart or something like that, like one of these kind of retail outlets, like if you work for them, like, yeah, you might go and then spend some of the money there. But you might also go spend some money at another corporation owned thing, you know, like a different type of grocery store or something like that. Right. Like the money kind of moves around between these entities but mostly it's provided by one corp. They've all kind of expanded. Well, the bigger ones, at least, have all expanded to kind of do some basic needs. Right. For everybody.
1: So they own all the properties. They own mm-hmm. everything. And they just cycle it through. Yep. But they know that in order for them to hold on to the power that they want, that's the best way for them to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start in Identico. Is you start in, especially if you're, you're going to be setting your, your game in North America, you start in a world where... These corporations run Pretty every much thing. everything, yeah. Okay.
0: It's like a 19th century mining town kind of thing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very much so. And that's where a lot of our inspiration came from, with the mining and logging towns, which actually, there's a bunch of those in the Seattle area, if you know this, like uh, the Seattle or the Bellevue
0: mm-hmm. was
1: a logging town. And yep. it was owned by that, and they had corporate stores, and you were given scrip instead of money. Right. And the same concept can be used today. Yep. So- or in 2099. Or in
0: Because it's pretty much where it's, it's where we're headed right now. So uh, let's talk a little bit about like, so the way that the city states have been organized, right? They're, they're huge. I mean, if you've seen things like Blade Runner or uh, like Akira, Ghost in the Shell, you know, very large cities
1: visually that's that's what they yeah. appear to be
0: yeah visually large cities exceedingly dense exceedingly dense the population continues to grow despite the scar uh, which we'll talk about the scar in a minute because we talked about like how america kind of came to do its thing but we didn't talk about like what the scar is but like inside the cities it's very dense it's very multi-level you know very multiplexed kind of piece um you know, where there is, uh, in a lot of times in most uh, cities, there's this kind uh, of, there's kind of this, like, second layer. It's almost like, you, you remember, you remember like, Final Fantasy Seven like, everything above a certain level. Above the plate and then above below the, the, plate the plate. And below the plate. Yeah. It kind of, it's kind of like that in a lot of these cities. Maybe there's not necessarily quite the same, like.
1: It's not, not necessarily as clear of a line. Right, right. And it may be, it may be a lateral line where it's, like, the yeah. outskirts of the city are like this. And the closer you get to the center, it's richer and again geography and yeah different things like that kind of control that Yep,
0: we depend it's dependent upon the cities too which we describe in the book but yeah um where this where this particular game takes place is called angel city which uh,
1: is what used to be all of basically all of los angeles mm-hmm. orange Los Angeles County, Orange County, San Diego County, and then part of the Inland Empire Yep for for my Southern California people. <laughs> okay, basically out to about San Bernardino, right? And actually anybody who's just Googling around and trying to figure out where it is, you know, yeah. San Bernardino is kind of the, the eastern edge of yeah. Angel City. And then, of course, Get, out getting, to the water. Getting
0: towards the desert and the, and the mountains out that side.
1: But just that... that that consistent city where if you didn't... If there wasn't a sign, you wouldn't know you were leaving one city and entering another one.
0: Yeah. Right? But we don't really mark up the cities that way. No. It's just one giant city.
1: And so they, they might be in districts. They might be yeah. in zones. They might be demarcated however that city decides to do so. However that metro decides they want to do that. But yeah, that's kind of additional flavor. Yeah. The the players in,
0: in this particular one are what we call fringers. And so they are not really you know connected to corporate to corpse at all they are you know they are sort of running on their own they are at least in angel city they're living quite literally on the fringe of society right they're in outskirts near the like main gates and and all like that of these cities um rather than sort of trying to blend in with the you know the little bit more polished kind of corp life and stuff like that
1: and some people that's by choice and some people it's because they don't the corpse have basically abandoned them, and you're not giving them a choice. Yep. because if you don't basically play by their rules, they're just going to excise you. You're, I mean,
0: you're, you're a commodity. That's the, idea, the whole idea be- behind Identico is your identity is a commodity. That means you, as a physical person, is a commodity. Um, and you know, the corporation might get rid of you, but might actually keep your identity for other people. That's happened before, um, and so. That's kind of where... That's a little bit of where this kind of takes place. The The thing we love about uh, Angel City is so much of like... Uh, there's like a very clear like delineation between like the more polluted parts of the city and then how much it gets clean towards the beaches and all. And like Malibu and all those... Kind of, it still retains a lot of its Hollywood kind of lifestyle to it. So. Look, the
1: rich people still want their beachfront access.
0: Yeah, absolutely do.
1: Okay. They're not giving that up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So let's talk a little bit about, so, uh, in the first episode, um, you know, we meet some of the characters and Titus, your character actually comes from, uh, the wastes. Yes. Uh, and the wastes are, and we'll get, we'll get into it in a different episode. We'll get into about your character, but the, but the scar plays heavily into the wastes and, and what we consider the wastes is anything outside of these giant cities, Um, and the waste is a moniker that's given by most of the corporations in the city folk,
1: uh,
0: to kind of downplay.
1: It's a pejorative. Yeah. It's a
0: pejorative for, for, for anybody that lives outside of the, the, the gates. I mean, these massive walls and things like that. Yep. Uh, in reality, it's actually not quite as bad except for the scar. It's not quite as bad. Um, you know, it's a lot of people who choose to not want to live, undercorp rule they want to live free you know don't tread on me all of that kind of thing when it comes to
1: that's where those people went
0: yeah Um. you know as we wrote in the book it's the people who were always yelling the I told you so sign the, 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 the
1: end is near yeah they're like, oh, I told you
0: <laughs> you know some doomsday preppers and things like that definitely mixed in yeah Um. but it's a it, you know there's it's a little bit of Mad Max meets like fallout but the good fallout's not the bad ones you know where it's a little bit of kind of
1: yeah i mean probably not as i i would be hesitant to say it's, it's that all of the places out there are as wrecked right cuz no. there are no. there are some some very reasonably sized like small towns out there yep. that just don't play they just they're they're off on their own they're doing what they want to do they don't want to be part of the yep the, the system, and so they choose to build their own system. The upside of that is they don't have that oppressive surveillance state yep. that the corporations have wrought upon the cities. The downside is they don't have access to a lot of the things that the cities do. If you are of roughly middle class or higher in the city, you're going to have access to clean water and sewage mm-hmm. and all this stuff all of the time, right? Whereas if you know, the, the the one I would probably liken it to now that I'm thinking about it is uh, Far Cry 5. Yeah. Right? Like, they've got that small, rural, insular feel to them, and they've got their own jail, and they've got their own sewage plant. But the downside is when the sewage plant goes down, yeah. there's no corporation or nobody there to help them.
0: Yeah. They have to come together as a group to really kind of fix all these things. Right,
1: And some of them are, are good, and some of them are not so nice. There,
0: There's definitely some bandits out there.
1: Well, and, and there's whole, like... Uh, Things in fact, if you go read the first set of short story books we wrote, um, our friend Matt, the story that he, one part of the story that he wrote was about a guy from a religious fundamentalist group. Speaking right? of Far Cry Five, <laughs> speaking of Far Cry Five, okay, who uh, has a community out in the wastes? Right, mm-hmm. they're called the Sons of Joshua, but they have some severe hang-ups about modern technology and more specifically cybernetics. Yep. And so one of the stories that he wrote for this was about a guy who bombs a cybernetic hospital mm-hmm. right near the uh, Texas demilitarized zone. Yeah, by the way, we got rid of Texas, just so you guys know. Yeah, Texas we, is its own country Texas now. Texas is its
0: own country. We, we consulted with many Texans. They were okay with it.
1: Yeah, they were also okay in that Texas is basically one step shy of a theocracy. They were also oddly OK with that
0: and kind of were like, yeah, that's pretty much what would happen if they seceded yeah. right now.
1: So just, you know, in Identico, Texas has actually been under U.N. embargo for like 25 years. at this point. Like <laughs> nobody likes for many, many reasons. <laughs> okay. They've been at war with Mexico for no particular reason for about been a war 30 part years. Of, for
0: part of America for <laughs> for no reason, too. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, the Texans are a little. Yeah. They're Texan.
0: They're Texans. Yep. But you know, but it's interesting too, is cause like uh, the one other thing that the government for America actually does is the marshals. Those are still around. Yeah. So you're multi-state sort of, there's no FBI, there's no CIA, there's no NSA kind of thing. But
1: on paper, right. So first off, all of those, there's, there's definitely some argument to be made that all of those agencies are essentially unconstitutional. So we'll throw that out to the side. Um, That being said, on paper, the, the American central government still claims all of the territory from sea to shining, sea, mm-hmm. except for Texas as their territory. Now, their control over it is nominal at best outside of the metros. And so what the marshals do is they patrol all of the areas outside of the metros mm-hmm. and they enter the metros with corporate approval to do certain law enforcement actions. And I'm right. using air quotes there. Um So that's their job. And so my character, as we start, used to be a marshal and is no longer a marshal. And you'll find out more why later. But he used to be one of those guys.
0: Yep. And so that's kind of the things of like you come up with um, one thing that will come up in the first couple of episodes uh, of the podcast is a place called Danaska. So this is this kind of gets you to the other side of the things in the waste is Danaska is actually at the edge of the scar. But it's built into the side of the of a mountain in Wyoming, which is a nuclear facility that the government used to run. Like the Air Force has a base out there Uh, and there's an actual like nuclear bunker out there. And so we we basically took that and opened up the entire mountain range and made that into one giant community that is actually fairly technologically advanced. They are for the waste. But it's that's more few and far between to kind of give you these. Uh, very anti-corporate bases, almost like they have a huge trade center. They have a huge hydroponic farms and things like that. they're a very self, you know, containing society uh, when it comes to. It. But you know, the trade off is you got to go to the middle of nowhere in Wyoming next to the Scar, and you got to get up a mountain and everything like that. Like, there's a lot of like drawbacks to it. But um, for those people that are trying to kind of like find refuge out there, there's definitely some points. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's also Fort, uh, Fort Danworth. Is that the one up in yep. the
1: that's northeast. I northeast,
0: think. yep. Um, and then there's also a uh, there's also tribal lands. Yep. Where they consolidated. Yep. Two versions of it. One was destroyed by Texas mm-hmm. in Cheyenne, and then there's a new one that is up north where they they sort of migrated uh, from there.
1: Where I think Montana is. Where right Montana now. is. They basically
0: yeah. took most of Montana as their own place. Yep. Um, and they defend it pretty pretty harshly for obvious reasons because. Texas went and did a Texas. Yep. (laughs) So, um, so that's kind of where the, the, the world politics and then there's there's a ton of other things that come along with like we've talked about Britain. We have talked about Japan. We've talked about Hong Kong. Um, we've talked about uh,
1: the U.N. is now in have, Kenya. Have we have we talked enough about Hong Kong? So let's No, We haven't talked about Hong Kong a lot in, in press. At well, least. And that, that all that all boils down to the U.N. thing. So the U.N. moved their headquarters out of the United States and said, screw you guys. We're taking our ball. We're leaving. <laughs> and they actually moved it to Kenya. Yeah. So um, the headquarters of the U.N., and actually, if you look in the book, there's a, a really great uh, art piece in there of the U.N. headquarters yep. uh, in Mombasa, right? And uh, Hong Kong is now one of two or three U.N. protectorates. Yep. Basically, because it was such a critical financial market, because the the Chinese central government was playing such, such havoc there, the U.N. went in and went, no, we're not letting anybody have this right. because we don't want to collapse the world economy. so we're just going to take this and yeah. everybody play nice or we're going to be yeah. mean. So, it is a UN protectorate now and no longer part of yeah. of the mainland China government.
0: And, and I think we should probably underscore, uh, when we say it's a UN protectorate, the UN is not quite the... Um, they're not the peace corps that they are now. The New. UN... The, for the UN to get involved in anything is scary. Yeah. Because the UN runs the CHIP program.
1: And they also run like their own private paramilitary and intelligence agency yeah. Um, their that rivals or we, what well,
0: we think actually dwarfs most corporation
1: ability to do uh, stuff. Yeah. Yep. They're so,
0: pretty scary people.
1: And so their first big major action after Hong Kong was what we call the node war um, yep. in the book. And it was in the 2040s and basically the world's largest ISP, you know, decides to thumb their nose at everybody and they start shutting down. Most of the Internet because they run their largest ISP literal ransom. Right. And so uh, the American government kind of puts them under siege. And eventually the U.N. goes, "Nope, we can't have this because, you know, the economy and a lot of Mm -hmm. other things start collapsing logistics networks. And we become so dependent upon the Internet as a concept that they literally send in. Their paramilitary and intelligence organization and arrest yeah. the entire board of directors <laughs> and, and basically
0: them. and basically wha- put point their finger at them and go
1: stop it yeah <laughs> and so. Uh, basically, after that, it causes multiple countries as well as the United Nations to create net control bureaus, and yeah. the internet is now basically a utility. Not basically, we, it is a it is a basic human right. Yes, we went that far to say it. Yeah, they can't. Nobody can 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 have that level of control over the internet because it's too dangerous. Yep. And so the UN and their agency, the Information and Observations Group, they just don't allow it. Right. And so basically, they let the corpse be until the corpse get a little too big for their britches. Yep. And then they go in there and you know yeah. spray them with water like a cat <laughs> no
0: bad. well you know and it's
1: funny too because
0: it's it's almost it's almost like a, a nesting doll kind of situation right where it's like you know it's got you've got like the waste kind of places then you've got the the city states then you've got the corporations themselves then you've got the IOG right and it's just that like one fish two fish bigger fish bigger fish kind of thing every time that kind of goes through of like there's always somebody bigger batter out there yep um, to kind of play with, or play against in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, what else have we not covered? We talked about well, the scar. Well, let's talk about the scar real quick. Yeah, because uh, the scar will play a, a factor into the beginnings of this stuff. And so the scar basically goes uh, from right around what South Dakota Ish. down to like the the top of Texas. Uh, and it is a line where they literally, they, and we say they, because we just like in the book, you just don't know. Um, but they basically, uh, dropped
1: 25 nukes on it.
0: Yeah. And we did the math to figure out how long it would take and everything like that. That probably got us on a watch list. Uh, probably. Um, yeah. But it it drew a scar literally across the bread basket of the United States. And that's what kind of kicked off all of this reformation and reorganization and things that we talk about uh, in the book uh, and and how America has kind of come to become what it is today. Uh, The problem is it is ungoverned. It is unusable. The ground is still soaked with radiation. So you have to have special plating and things like that to kind of get through this whole thing. Uh, but if you want to ship food or use anything, you have to either go to the top of the SCAR, which is um, disputed land, really, between Canada yeah. and several other groups, or you got to go through Texas below. And let's be honest, you probably don't want to go through Texas.
1: No, and it's it's North Dakota to the Texas border. North
0: Dakota to the Texas border, you're right, yeah. yes.
1: And so it basically it bifurcates yeah. North the, America. The
0: North America, yeah. Uh, or America at yeah. this
1: point. So you, then you, the only other option at that point is to go right through, right down the middle. And so the marshals and the central government maintain trade routes. They maintain trade, like basically highways. Yeah. That are patrolled by the marshals and by military forces, so that goods can get through. Yep. But that's about it. Yeah. That's a yeah, and that's
0: it. And that's and only most for those the Trucks part. are armored. <laughs> they're armored, or they and they they're armored, and they have their own. Uh, Group that goes with them, which is one of the things that like a lot of uh mercenaries and fringers will do is they'll they'll just escort they'll run escort missions uh and and that's a good way to make some money you know if you're going even if you work for a Corp yep. that's a good way to make some money is to run escort missions for them
1: because it's still the cheapest way to get goods across the continent
0: yep yeah it's still so, it's still expensive to fly a plane from one part of the country to another yeah it just is
1: yep Let's see back
0: my shit there you go. <laughs> Uh, what else have we talked about lore wise let's, let's talk a little bit about like day to day life In Angel City Or in, in Angel City is, is Part of the entire world Right because For most folks that are on the fringe uh, And even those those folks that work for the corpse Or the wage slaves that, that are kind of working that way Right like you get up You go to work You know it's all sort of public transport Most of the time you don't really have a car Nope. You know, there are cars, but most of the cities are walkable with some sort of public transportation. Right.
1: And, and a car almost has become more of a luxury slash status item. Yeah. Because traffic, obviously, anybody who's ever been to L.A., I mean.
0: Yeah. It just, it's terrible. It became. Yeah.
1: Untenable. <laughs> and so, yes, uh, public transportation is much, much better. But, uh, yeah, cars are much more of a status symbol. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, and then, you know, Fringers will still have – they they've got their
0: cars and things like that to get from point A to point B because they're not – they're usually for hire. Yeah. They're usually their own kind of things. They can't get a job with a corp for Well, and, you know, when,
1: reason. when you start bringing, you know, when you're armed to the teeth and in body armor and wander onto the subway, like, people tend to get a little nervous. Like, what are you doing here, dude? Like, yeah. relax, Mr. Vibro-Katana-carrying weirdo. <laughs> That's when, the, that's when the, uh, the, the cameras start rolling. Exactly. A, a lot. And so that's a, the biggest thing that you need to know about any metro station, especially Angel City, is it is a giant surveillance state. Yep. I mean, and when you come down to it, the fact of the matter is, is every ATM has a camera. Every doorway has a camera, yep. right? And and think of the, the expansion of things like ring doorbells and Amazon cameras yep. and all this stuff, these blinks and, and ATM cameras. and yeah. Think of everywhere. Now, imagine the fact that, that those are all now networked together mm-hmm. to a greater or lesser degree. You don't have analog cameras anymore. They don't exist. It's all IP-based. Right. And so, you know, corp security or law enforcement can now track you camera to camera to camera to camera to camera and basically – there's almost nowhere you're not under surveillance. And then when you add that to the fact that they have the ability through algorithms to search through people's social media feeds. And that guy taking a selfie that caught you in the background yeah. at 3.25 p.m., they can now isolate you, you know. Yep. And so you have to realize that that, that ubiquity of, of cameras and surveillance that we have now yep. is exponentially more. Yeah, And that's, I think, the thing that that a lot of games don't do. yeah as much of and the thing that we always want to like kind of hammer home is you're never not on camera
0: <laughs> cover your tracks is what right. we're trying to tell you okay. if you're going to do something illicit make sure you're you covering better be looping that camera feed <laughs> yep which which is a pretty common thing for hacking in the game is to loop camera feeds all the time yes. uh, as our, as the first alpha playtest learned very much the hard way yes they were very by, by the way they were very experienced players and they forgot to cover the tracks and so the beginning of the second mission of the alpha playtest, <laughs> they woke up the next morning to realize that like an international, basically the IOG had a red
1: notice out on him and yeah, we're hunting was, for was him hunting for him
0: across Europe. They're like, oh, great. <laughs> you know, I would also say, too, is like we talk we this, you know, this podcast is called Angel City Stories and stuff like that. But like the world of Identico, it's very easy to move from one part of the world to the other. Like it's like world travel. ...is not necessarily frowned upon.
1: No, and it's not difficult now as long as you have a chip. Yeah. That's the thing. Is or you that, can fake a chip. Uh, yes, but we'll... That's it's a, a whole, other whole other thing. another whole yeah. other thing. Um, if you have a chip, yeah, you can grab a low-Earth orbit craft... And, ...and be from Angel City to Dubai in three hours. Yep. You know, because it'll just... ...boop, and you're on the other side of the planet. No problem, um, if you have a chip. Right. Now, that being said, for, for GMs and for players definitely encourage you guys this is a, a a global community yeah it should be a global community as time goes forward and technology increases in their ability to travel and communicate you know hong kong is just next door now right you know the world is getting smaller for a reason yeah you know and and you should feel free to not go i'm stuck in this one metroplex or this one yeah. area you know We've taken player character groups from everywhere from Dubai to Singapore to Northern Ireland to Rome, i trying to think where else, Stockholm.
0: Eventually to South Africa.
1: Eventually to South Africa, that's coming. Yep. Um, Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, Angel City. I mean, this is, it should feel global. Yeah. And so don't be afraid to send them globetrotting.
0: Yeah. It's actually kind of fun to go trotting too. In, in a larger kind of thing. As you get different settings, you get different styles, you get different, like, places. Well,
1: and it adds a nice layer of complication for the player characters. Yeah. Stuff that they have to be able to think about. Okay. If you go to Singapore or Thailand, who speaks the language? <laughs> <laughs> or at least has a translator on them. Yeah. I mean. Well it, enough. Is your... Gl- and remember... Run everything through Google Translate. See how well that comes out. Oh yeah, it's kay. gonna be the most broken everything. That and it can make for some funny, yeah, funny stuff. Yeah, we okay. don't call
0: it we don't call it Google Translate in our world, but your glow can do that for you. But guess what? It's not perfect. Hey. It's not perfect. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The other one that I love about globe trotting though, and it is uh, how the hell do you get your ROV there? So ROVs in is is uh, robotically operated vehicles. They are. Uh, essentially what one player character can control this humanoid robot with their mind and the robots usually much bigger, much stronger, much faster than a human ever could be, uh, with much bigger guns. I mean, they're kind of the heavy, I mean, they're quite literally sometimes a walking tank. Uh, So how do you, you can't really walk that down the street. So then you got to figure out how to get that half across the world too, which Uh, is always kind of a fun logistical, but it's almost like a side quest in some ways
1: when they were trying to smuggle stuff into Belfast. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 In that one mission, there was, there was one we ran where they were trying to smuggle arms and one of the player characters, Rob's into Northern Ireland and (laughs) they were having a heck of a time with it. Yep. They were like, "Well, we could go overland, but that's walled, and there are checkpoints. We could send it in on a submarine into the busy port." Yeah. (laughs) You know. Yeah. So it does make for some fun logistical challenges, right? Uh, Some people just literally drop them from the sky. Uh, That's
0: usually where. That's usually where I get a chance to do that, though. Yeah. That's a that's a me flavor GM thing. Yep. It costs a lot of money to do that, though.
1: It does. <laughs>
0: um, all right. I think that's it for the lore for right now, right? think I think it was pretty yeah, good. I think we're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we will be back next week. Uh, we're going to start with our, our player characters. Uh, we're actually going to start with Titus uh, and introduce you guys to uh, some of the players that are going to be in the game and a little bit more about their backgrounds. And so you can you will know more about the players about each other. Uh, then they will by the time the, uh, podcast kind of kicks in. So, uh, if you want to learn more about the book, uh, and you've been intrigued by the rambling that we have done today, go to, uh, www.playidentico.com, pick up a copy of the book. Uh, we, if you pick up the hardcover copy, uh, we will sign it before we send it off to you. Um, and we'll make sure it's wiped down and things like that too. We don't, we don't want to spread germs around the world. Yep. Um, uh, we also have uh, pins. We have shirts. We'll have stickers up in our uh, merch store there. Very soon. Uh, most of that's already up there, but by the time you hear this, it'll, everything will probably be up there. Um, and if you want to, uh, if you want to get any of our other kind of products, go to drive through RPG and search Identico. Um, it's I D E N T E C O. A lot of people put I in there. That's not quite how it works, but. Um, but go search that our first, uh, mission called city of glass, which starts in Vancouver, uh, as part of a three part mission, uh, that's going to introduce some really crazy things into the game in the future. Uh, so go give that a look. Uh, if you could, uh, drop us a like and a review on your favorite podcasting app. That way other folks can find us and learn about Identico in the world. Um, any last things to say? Have fun. Yes. Have fun. Rule of cool always outweighs rules as written.